0: Welcome to the Be Kind Podcast with your host, Joe Kirchner, presented by the Animal Advocates of South Central Pennsylvania. Okay, I think we're ready to do this, so take it away. Let's do it.
1: Welcome, everybody, to Be Kind Podcast, part of the Animal Advocates' mission to create a more compassionate world for all living creatures, whether they are in the sun or underneath a foot of snow or two feet of snow, if you're listening to this this week. We love them all, and they all deserve to be loved, and we're here to make that a reality. Today, we are joined by Leon, who is a former board member of the Animal Advocates of South Central PA, but he is currently living in Baltimore and working for Johns Hopkins, and I'm also joined by John, as usual. So, Leon, how's it going? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's our pleasure. And if you like just get started by telling us a little bit about yourself and doing the stereotypical what's-your-vegan-journey question.
2: Definitely. So, my name is Leon, as you said. I am 25, living in Baltimore right now. I work at Johns Hopkins Hospital as a medical technologist. Um, I started my vegan journey when I was uh, 19 in college. As a vegetarian, as I was doing a lot of weightlifting at the time, and I thought that um, like being vegetarian would help me perform better, oddly enough. Uh, <laughs> it's like the opposite of what most people think. And I was also getting very bored of like the uh, the brown rice chicken broccoli meals that all bodybuilders and fitness people eat every day. So I tried out being vegetarian and then through YouTube and watching a lot of uh, vegan fitness influencers, I learned about veganism. Cause as I was growing up, I never even knew that was an option. I grew up in a household of immigrants from Trinidad and Tobago where like we eat every animal and every part of every animal. So like not eating animals never even crossed my mind until college and I'm happy it did. I'm happy that I went the vegan route and I've been vegan for almost Wait a second. Yeah, my five-year anniversary was just last week, December 11th.
1: Wow. So Congratulations. Yeah, happy anniversary. <laughs> or sixth year. Nice. Five or
2: sixth year. It's hard to keep track. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a good thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so after I went vegan, I uh, met Adrian, of course, who you all know very well. Mm-hmm. And um, I started helping her form the animal advocates, South Central PA. Nice.
1: I already have a couple follow-up questions, so I need to ask, how has the transition to veganism been received in your family and your cultural circles? You said you're from an immigrant family. Have you received any pushback or have they been accepting of it or anything in between?
2: Definitely. My mom at first was really upset, not because I was vegetarian, but because she thought like, she couldn't cook for me anymore. But after some like convincing, she realized that she could make all of her meals just like in a different way, mm-hmm. and she was really happy about that. Uh, The rest of my family doesn't really mind as much. My sister is super supportive. She lives in Philly, which you know has a great vegan scene, Um, so she always sends me like Instagram posts of like vegan food she's eating or like vegan restaurants close to her that just opened. Um, Still, even during the pandemic, she sends me stuff all the time. And then my brothers are also pretty supportive. One of them actually went vegan for a while, but he has since gone back and like switches between vegan or pescatarian or flexitarian whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. but he's more interested in just his own personal health but yeah overall i feel like at first there was some pushback but now everyone's pretty much on board i mean have been vegan for so long now and they understand it's not something that's going away so mm-hmm. they just got to deal with it
0: right <laughs> so you said you went uh vegan in college and you went to your college right
2: Yep, York College, Pennsylvania.
0: Yeah, and they actually started – weren't you part of that whole, like, transition for them to have uh, vegan options in their cafeteria?
2: Yeah, it's funny. We actually – myself and Katie, we were the uh, co-founders and founders of the uh, York College Vegans. We started that group, and um, we started a petition. Uh, and the cafeteria to just get more vegan vegetarian options because at the time there were almost none mm-hmm. and because of the petition how many names we got si- signed the um, cafeteria heads were just kind of fed up with us and gave <laughs> us a whole vegan section <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so we accomplished way more than we set out for right with that club and with that petition and uh, what I hear it's it's still going strong
0: yeah I was about to say I think it's still going pretty good and I know there's some professors there that are vegan too which is awesome
2: yeah yeah definitely Shout out, Dr. Clay Robinson. Mm-hmm.
0: And Jeff Stabley, uh, music yep. department. Yeah,
1: I love hearing success stories of things like that. Sometimes I sign a petition, I think, is this actually going to do anything? <laughs> right. And it does. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we spent like maybe a month just walking around the cafeteria looking for names. And I think we got 100, 125 signatures.
0: That's awesome. People
2: who, who weren't even like vegan or vegetarian. They just wanted people to have more options, you know. That's great. And, uh, we got a whole section. I think PETA gave them an A rating for vegan food or something. Wow, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it was was pretty serious. Yeah, that's great.
1: And something else I had to chuckle at when you were talking was you mentioned the stereotypical weightlifter bodybuilder diet of chicken, broccoli, and brown rice. I used to play college football, so I was big into building muscle and things like that, and a lot Mm -hmm. of my friends were. And that's all people would eat would be these uh, chicken cutlets and broccoli and the occasional thing of brown rice. And yeah, now that I'm vegan, I still work out a lot, but I do a lot more cardio and I run. But I eat a lot of, I don't, people always ask me where I get my protein, and I don't track any of those nutrients. I just eat until I'm full and eat generally healthy, and it all kind of works out.
2: Yeah, I'm a big proponent of intuitive eating, and as long as you eat a wide variety of foods, then you end up being okay.
1: So are you still very much into athletics and sports and things like that?
2: Definitely. Definitely. I don't run or bodybuild as much as I used to before, but right now I'm into um, rock climbing. I have been for the past about two years.
1: And for anyone looking into building muscle or thriving athletically on a vegan diet, what's some of the staples of your diet that you really count on to be there for you when you're looking to push yourself?
2: Um, I always eat overnight oats at least five days a week, and I swear by it, it's got everything I need. Almond milk, oatmeal, chia seeds, flax seeds, some frozen berries and peanut butter. I feel like you can't go wrong starting your day with some overnight oats. Uh, Lunches are pretty basic with with rice and beans or stir fry. And then of course on the weekends, a good tofu scramble, Mm -hmm. definitely the staples. Nice
1: i'm a big fan of oatmeal i have a saying that no one's ever eaten a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast and regret it (laughs) no never
2: i don't think ever happened (laughs) (laughs) one
0: thing i do remember uh from speaking of food is uh your undying love for bananas
2: yeah when i first went vegan it was it was funny i I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know I have like a whole bunch of guidance, so I would just eat tons of fruit all the time. <laughs> I remember at one point I was eating seven or eight bananas a day, and um, during my internship at WellSpan York Hospital, I didn't like. I was so busy studying and and in school all day that like I didn't really want to meal prep, so for breakfast I would just bring like a bag of fruit. I'd have two apples, two oranges, and two bananas. And people thought that was insane eating just fruit for breakfast, but I would do that almost daily.
1: That's awesome. That's Yeah, that sounds great. I love fruit and apples, bananas. Oranges, not so much because they make kind of a mess and you gotta oh, peel yeah, them yeah. and all that. Then your keyboard they do. gets all yeah. sticky. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but then you smell like oranges for the day. <laughs> this
1: is true. <laughs> Which I, and I'm all about that.
2: <laughs> there's nothing worse than a bad orange, I mean. Yeah. You can't get over that.
1: Well, pro tip for anyone out there who's has trouble picking citrus fruit what you do is you feel for it to be heavy for its size so if you pick it up and it feels mm. heavier than it should be that means it's good because that's all the juices and stuff mm. in it
2: okay a little density trick yeah mm.
1: i couldn't tell you <laughs> where that's i hot. learned that but i did <laughs> so what what, what were we told talk- oh yeah we're talking about <laughs> athletics and stuff and we got off sidetracked off to fruit but you also mentioned that several times now that you work in the healthcare industry. could you talk a little bit more about your roles in that profession?
2: Yeah, so my job title is clinical laboratory scientist. Some people call it medical technologist or lab tech. But um, I work in the hospital lab and I test blood and body fluids for different analytes. Um, And I do that right now at Johns Hopkins in the core chemistry lab. I think we've been getting a lot more press because of COVID testing And um, the medical technologists are the people who do all the COVID testing. I personally don't because I work in chemistry. And at the lab I work at, we don't do serology testing for patients. So all the PCR and RNA testing is done in microbiology.
1: If you're in the healthcare industry, I imagine there's a lot of health advice or a lot of health messaging going out there, and sometimes that messaging may not align with vegan ethics, whether that's advocating for testing on animals or promoting a certain type of diet that may have meat or dairy products in it. Definitely. So do you ever come yourself into a situation where you feel inclined to speak up or go against something that's being pushed forward by the powers that be at your work?
2: Yeah, I... I ran into that a lot actually when I did my internship at WellSpan New York Hospital just because uh, South Central PA isn't super super um, open to veganism or like maybe not as um, educated on veganism mm-hmm. so when I was doing my internship there was a, a heart healthy week at the hospital but none of the heart healthy options were even vegetarian <laughs> like they were all just <laughs> just like no, leaner man. cuts of meat <laughs> and I was definitely like thrown off by that and i sent a message an email to the president of the hospital and he replied actually and he humored me a little bit but and in, in and like nothing really changed <laughs> but have. i did send an email <laughs>
1: hey at least you tried you should have walked around yeah. the cafeteria with a clipboard getting signatures like college <laughs> yeah days. anyway i should have <laughs> <laughs> it worked once right
0: so do you work with any other vegans at all
2: I gonna... work with a few vegetarians, okay. but I'm the only vegan in my department. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's two other vegetarians. Nice. Which is nice. I mean, whenever we have, like, well, I mean, we don't have any potlucks anymore, mm-hmm. but whenever um, food is ordered, um, there's always a vegetarian or vegan option for us, which is nice. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely.
1: Switching gears a little bit to the more advocacy side of things, you've clearly been involved with the animal advocates, and you were actually a board member when you were on this side of the mason dixon line how are you do you have any other experiences with animal advocacy either before the animal advocates or even currently in your new home
2: i haven't done any um outward ad- activism since i was with animal advocates just because of time constraints really mm-hmm. but i've been doing my most of my activism is through like living my life and being a positive like vegan influence mm-hmm. through instagram social media just like with my friends that's like the more activism focus i am right now like more with individuals instead of like the grand scheme of things you know
1: mm-hmm. and from it our- would
2: be nice to do some activism again though yeah i do miss it
1: yeah well from our conversation on this podcast that one of the best ways to make vegans is by simply having them hang out with awesome vegans so by doing what you're doing you are certainly being an advocate so thank you
2: yeah definitely yeah anytime anytime
1: and something else (laughs) i like to pick your brain a little bit about is vegans are very good on social media with other vegans but not necessarily with Mm non-vegans do you have any experience trying to breach that barrier and appeal to both demographics or show non-vegans that being vegan is a healthy thriving sustainable way to live
2: yeah, it's, it's definitely a hard balance. I mean, I remember in my early vegan days that I spent a lot of time arguing with people on Facebook, <laughs> just as I'm sure people argue with people on Facebook now about COVID or politics or whatever. Mm. But I feel like the healthy balance is just like you said, to be an example. Um, a lot of times when I post on social media, I won't even like put all the typical vegan hashtags that everyone puts, like the big paragraph of hashtags. I'll just put like, hashtag vegan. And I feel like, for me, the, the simpler the better mm-hmm. it's like the as long as they know it's vegan they don't need to like know everything about it <laughs> right if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah makes so sense. sometimes i'll i'll like post a story where i make soup and it won't be until the end that i will put like a little plant emoji in vegan so like the whole time you're watching this recipe you don't even know that it's a vegan recipe until the very end nice and like that that doesn't let you already think bad about the recipe in the beginning
1: there's somebody watching your story, thinking this is going to be so great. When's he going to add the meat? When's he going to add the meat? you yeah. waiting, 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 and then it gets to the end and it goes, "Oh, it got me."
2: They're like, "Oh my god, that looks so good." I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, definitely the way to go.
0: So, you uh, after you were done with school and everything, you didn't you move to Colorado?
2: Yeah, I, I lived in Baltimore for about a year and a half, and then I just got tired of baltimore just like being around the same stuff all the time mm-hmm. which happens to a lot of people i assume so i moved to denver and lived there for about a year and that's actually where i got the most into rock climbing mm-hmm.
0: well they got lots of rocks yeah. there <laughs> <laughs> they
2: got some of the best rocks let me tell you
1: so it sounds like you've done a lot of traveling are there any big differences between these areas uh, in terms of vegan options with cuisine or even just the reception of the lifestyle in general
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm lucky to always live in cities that have a lot of vegan options like South Central PA, Baltimore, uh, Denver. The main difference with Denver and I guess most of the West Coast is they're really big on food trucks. Mm -hmm. Like there were four or five vegan food trucks in Denver alone and they would just go to different spots every day. So you'd have to check their Instagram Mm -hmm. and see where your favorite food trucks going to be today. The food trucks had food that were better than the brick-and-mortar vegan restaurants, actually. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, shout-out to Denver Vegan Van and Wong May Veg.
0: <laughs> what were some of your favorite food uh, options there?
2: Denver Vegan Van does a vegan Taco Bell mm. menu probably once every two months, and it is absolutely incredible. Nice. They, have everything from the, they used to have the Mexican pizzas and then the crunch wraps, quesadillas, cheesy gordita crunch, everything scratch-made really really
1: good and vegan we gotta go to denver john
2: yep let's go right now
1: (laughs) not that people know this about me but i used to love taco bell and my favorite menu i am on there with the cheesy gordita crunch
2: oh my gosh yeah (laughs) so there's nothing like the vegan van cheese and gordita crunch
0: yeah so it's pretty progressive in denver though i I noticed that like i'm always hearing from people how progressive it is there so uh what was what was that like there is that is that true is that a myth
2: no i think it's i think it's pretty true denver was a lot more progressive than baltimore is even though baltimore is progressive <laughs>
1: right i
2: think um the main difference with denver and the only like negative aspect of it was the lack of diversity which you you see a huge contrast to places like south central pa or baltimore right when you go out to denver other than that like i have nothing nothing bad to say about denver it was a really awesome place
0: nice
1: I don't hear a lot of people call South Central PA diverse a lot, so I guess Denver really was not that diverse. (laughs) Well, I guess because I spent most of my time at York College, which is pretty
2: diverse, I Mm -hmm. I would say. A lot of people come from New Jersey, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Mm
1: -hmm. Pennsylvania. And a criticism that you hear a lot of the vegan movement is the lack of diversity in it. And do you have any thoughts on how vegans can be more inclusive of different cultures, ethnicities, gender identities, and things like that?
2: That's a great question. I feel like a lot of the heavy-hitter vegans in Baltimore have been trying to do that for a long time. I don't know if you all remember in, I think, 2019, the Baltimore Vegan Soul Fest, mm-hmm. that like their main thing was about diversity and inclusion and like helping people of color get into veganism.
0: Soul Fest is actually one of my all-time favorite veg fests ever. Like It's just Same. so much fun. Uh, the first year I went, I was just like blown away and then we started doing yeah. our own and i was like yeah it's pretty cool but <laughs> but theirs is definitely better i i just there's it's just so awesome there and i love the yeah, the, the, ve- f- the food the music and everything
2: yeah the vegan soul fest is next level yeah. i actually think it was in 2018 i think they it got canceled in 2019
0: mm-hmm.
2: and postponed but then of course didn't happen in 2020 either so i guess 2021 will be the year <laughs> hopefully soul <Fest> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed yeah, it's 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 definitely a challenge. I see that same challenge in the um, in rock climbing. How there's it's not diverse at all, and um, it's hard to really pinpoint what would make it better. But
1: well, I think to harking back all the way to 15 minutes ago when you're talking about your vegan journey with your family. So your mother mm-hmm. would adapt your culture's dishes and cuisine to your vegan diet. Is that correct? Yep.
2: And yep, eventually. At first it was a little convincing, but, but eventually she did, yeah.
1: Well, I'm th- that. That's, that's awesome. And one of the criticisms I have of some of the vegan messages we put out there is a lot of it focuses on very um, U.S.-centric kinds of foods. You see lots of stuff out beyond burgers, or you can make this pasta dish, or you can make this mm-hmm. beyond sausage. And these are all very American-centric, U.S.-based dishes. And then you just tell somebody, oh, you can just have rice and beans or you can have this Impossible Burger. And that does not give credit to the complexity between other cultures' cuisines and their yeah. dishes and that. And I think that if we were more inclusive of these different cuisines and cultures and food choices out there for these other populations and people, that it would be a much more appealing lifestyle. But instead, we keep falling back on, oh, do you see the new vegan chicken nugget? It looks great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I definitely understand where you're coming from definitely i think just having more people in those ethnicities or in those groups that are vegan would be helpful but then also i've noticed that different cuisines or ethnic foods are are more easily vegan than the american foods are like ethiopian food or mexican food or a lot of asian food is naturally vegan thankfully Mm -hmm. whereas like the standard american diet is the opposite of naturally vegan
1: right and everything's meat 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 (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, so, I guess we're making a big deal over all these things where other cultures are looking at us thinking, what's, what's <laughs> the big deal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Potentially. I'm not sure. Potentially. I still think it's important.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think to your point, that is making sure we're inclusive and being able to look out for these other cultures and welcome them in and not try and shoehorn anyone into a specific ethic, whether it is an American vegan ethic or other cultures' vegan ethic. Yep. Yep, I agree. So when you were first transitioning from vegetarianism to veganism, what was the biggest challenge for you?
2: Probably just finding the substitutes. I think a lot of, most people that transition from vegetarian to vegan are so used to eating like diets that are heavier in eggs and dairy than someone who was an omnivore. So I used to have like egg whites for breakfast every single morning, and I just had to find out something to replace that with. Mm-hmm. Um, Of course, back then, I wasn't super knowledgeable, so I was like, what can I replace it that has a whole bunch of protein? (laughs) And um, I went to oatmeal, I went to tofu scramble, I went to, like, mock meats. That was probably the most challenging, just replacing those foods. Afterwards, it was easy, though.
1: Yeah, to your earlier points, that once you find what works for you and you make it a habit, it's just part of your life now.
2: Yeah, yeah. The the vegan lifestyle is really just, um, like any other lifestyle, it's like once you do it, like you said...
1: And I actually did a little bit of research before this, so give me some credit, John. I read, (laughs) I think, an interview you did with one of the magazines you've done some modeling for. By the way, listeners, Leon's also a model sometimes, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I modeled for uh, Hill Killer, a great uh, Baltimore-based bicycle company, bicycle apparel company.
1: And I believe in that interview you mentioned that you don't really take any supplements or powders or things like that.
2: Nope, yeah. No protein powders, no supplements. I um take a multivitamin. Uh it's supposed to be daily ends up being like every other every other week, but it's on my shelf. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no no special protein powders, no fish oils, vegan fish oils or nothing like that.
1: Just go. yeah, I'm the same but I take a I think a B12 vitamin and that's really it. Other than that, I don't really worry about it at all.
2: No, yeah, I f- like I'm no nutritionist, but I feel like if you eat a wide variety of foods, Uh, I think you'll be all good.
1: And it's good to show you, listeners, you don't need to do any crazy stuff to make sure you thrive on a vegan diet. You can still kick butt while eating lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of plants. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 100% plants. yeah. (laughs) So, do you have any companion animals in your home?
2: Yeah, I still have my cat, my cat Bean. She's actually here with me now. (laughs) You may have been able to hear her just, like, scratching before. She's about... Four and a half now. She's still kicking it. Still doing well. She got a little chunky though. She (laughs) she um she got up to like eighteen pounds. Oh wow! Feeding her too much. Yeah. Last time I
0: saw her, she was like a little tiny thing. (laughs) Exactly. That's what everyone
2: says. (laughs) (laughs) So she got a little chunk on her. But um, I switched her food over, and then she's back down to back down to okay weight. (laughs) She's doing great. Awesome. And then my partner Summer. Uh, moved in with me and she brought her dog Gatsby, which is a mini golden doodle. Cute. So two companion animals in the house. One cat, one dog.
0: Nice.
1: And yeah. I, I swear this ties into what we've been talking about, but does your veganism bleed over into other aspects of your life besides your food choices, such as maybe feeding your dog vegan dog food, what you wear, the, or the toiletries and things like that you buy? Definitely,
2: definitely. Um, 100% with the toiletries, the... Um, products i buy i try like clothes i buy always vegan always trying to be sustainable fair trade i feel like for me veganism is like a label but then like throughout my everyday life i try and live more as an ethical consumer Mm -hmm. so like with veganism as the background i kind of like build off of that in every aspect of my life to consume as ethically as possible
1: I loved um, how you said fair trade because I think that's a big, huge thing that a lot of vegans miss where you can buy something that's made of polyester instead of wool, but you're still buying it from a sweatshop with child labor. So right. is it really an ethical choice? Right.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's hard to be 100% with that stuff. Like it's it's easy to be 100% with the food you eat or like, you know, but it's hard to be like every piece of clothing you wear is going to be fair trade and ethically sourced, you know? Mm-hmm. But as long as you try your best, I think that matters the most. And then, yeah, for your second question, um, the dog does eat, Gatsby does eat uh, vegan, V-Dog, vegan dog food. Nice. And then Bean, she has some, she has some vegan treats here and there, but cats are a lot harder to be 100% vegan. Right. She has her prescription cat food for urine crystals and stuff.
1: I feel like such a bad cat owner. I just literally <laughs> feed my cat different food every single week. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bean's got some health issues. She used to have food sensitivity, where she would get like breakouts, but we got that taken care of with a special diet, and now sw- she switched over to a urine crystal diet because she started getting urine crystals, mm. and now she's on um, a low, like a low calorie urine crystal diet. So. Food's not cheap. Let me tell you.
0: I, yeah, I spe- I could imagine even like down in that area. I know prices are a little bit higher on food and stuff like that. So I can't even imagine yeah. what it's like for animal food.
2: It's much more expensive than Netflix. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I my cat's fat too because. <laughs> He, got, he lost weight for a while there, but he gets really annoying when he's on a diet, and I made the strategic decision for both their sanities to let him be fat and happy rather than skinny and sad.
2: Yeah, it's like, you don't realize how much little food a cat needs, because they just want food all the time. But <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean,
1: they got nothing the else going me, on.
2: Right. That's true, they don't. The vet told me I shouldn't feed her more than 200 calories a day, but like... I was feeding her three scoops a day, and one scoop was 200 calories. So it was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. So I had to get the low-calorie food where like, the volume has less calories, right. so she doesn't go crazy.
1: <laughs> That's basically a banana and a half. How is she doing that? Come
2: on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how she's doing it. She zooms around the house like she's running on way more than 200 calories.
1: <laughs> well, we're coming up here on half an hour now. I don't want to take up too much of your evening. But is there anything you would like to tell the listeners about veganism your life or just anything you feel like people should really know
2: uh i think veganism is awesome everyone should go vegan and um i feel like if you can't go vegan i think the bare minimum you should do is educate yourself and be an ethical consumer and when you have the option and the means to choose vegan in your life you should Because i think it's the best thing for the animals on our planet that was all i have to say
1: that was one of the best responses to that question. I've yeah. ever heard it. That was amazing. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sweet. Well, thank, yeah. thanks for having me a lot. I really appreciate it. This yeah. was um, a great time catching up with you all.
0: Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming
1: yeah. on. It's been great to hear about your story. And if any listeners out there have anything they'd like to tell us about veganism or questions, comments, concerns, or just to let us know that someone's actually listening, send us an email at bekindpodcast at com. It's good talking to you.
2: Yeah, cause good talking to you all, too. Right. I'll catch you all later. Bye. Yeah. Three, two, one. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. Meow, meow, meow.
1: <laughs> meow, meow, meow. Meow, 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 meow. Meow, 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 meow.